0: And so chapter 1, I really see in chapter 1 how the Lord is establishing Daniel as a prophet at this time. Of course, he's young. Uh, He was brought in on the first siege or the first captivity of of, uh, Israel there. And of course, we know there was a couple more to follow. The third would be finally the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. But Daniel was in the first one. Well, the first group that went over to Babylon as a young boy, uh, probably 16 to 19 years old, and uh, brought into a situation where he was made a eunuch, and he was going to be set up and uh, somewhat um, groomed to uh, to learn the language of the Chaldeans, to learn their culture, and to start this mixture process uh, of mixing two... Uh, cultures and really what the I think what Nebuchadnezzar is wanting to do is to infiltrate his culture into Israel and into the people of God and that's really a great lesson we can learn from this chapter is that uh, what the devil's trying to do is constantly trying to influence us with the world and we're going to see a little bit of that as we go through Our lesson today Um, and I know we have covered some of these points already and so I'm not going to preach re-preach them and I did give you the filled out uh, version there Uh, number one we looked at Daniel's unchosen challenge that means that he did not choose to be brought into the situation uh, just as we many times don't uh, choose to get into hard situations you can choose to be bitter about them and angry your whole life Or choose to just say, okay, Lord, you obviously allowed this for a reason. Help me to find that. Help me to flourish within your plan. I always say that the issue with bitterness is a believer's uh, problem with understanding suffering and suffering in relationship to God. Uh, If we can get those things reconciled in our mind, the suffering of your life, the unfairness, the injustice all those kind of things, and you can get them reconciled with God's plan for your life, you won't be a bitter person. But if you expect to have a uh, smooth road, and you expect things always to work out, and then they're unfair, and things don't work out the way that probably they should, uh, you're going to end up being a bitter person. And God will never use you. Uh, Daniel was put in a situation where he was made a eunuch. We know that in the scriptures, Jesus talked about how that there were some that chose to be a eunuch. Some were eunuch from the birth, but then others were made to be eunuchs. And Daniel was one of those It was outside of his control. He actually was made that. He was taken into captivity as a young man. I mean, today with young people, uh, you put anything in their life they don't want, they give you a fuss about it, (laughs) you know. Daniel... Uh, was completely submitted to God. And so that's the first thing that we need to see in this chapter, is that Daniel was put into this unchosen situation. He did not choose it, but yet God allowed it. And he allowed it for uh, his good and for the good of his people. Uh, Number two, Daniel's unwavering commitment. And we looked at how that Daniel purposed in his heart. uh, Letter A, we also looked at how Daniel purposed not to defile himself this is really the key. Um, These are small decisions that he's making here. He's in a big situation where God is trying to raise up a prophet to make a real impact. In fact, Daniel is one of the most impactful prophets when you look at the future, at Revelation, at uh, the future time and prophecy and so forth. Daniel is right in there. He's uh, really the top prophet in that particular respect. And yet he started at this as a 16-year-old boy. Well, wh- how did he get to that place? How, why, how did God choose him to... I don't have my mic on. Sorry, son. Uh, how did God choose him to be used in such a way? Is it just by chance? Or why is it that, that God chose Daniel? Well, I believe chapter 1 is our key. You see, he's given us chapter 1 because he's showing us that God is using Daniel's little decisions to show you that he is a man that's be, that will be usable in big things as well. If you're not faithful in the little, you're not going to be faithful in the much. If you're going to be unfaithful in the least, you're also going to be unfaithful in the most. And so Daniel here is making decisions on those smaller things, his diet. Uh, you know, all the Jewish boys at this time would say, "Hey, What's the big deal? I mean, we're in a situation here. We can't do anything about it. We have to live. Pragmatism kicks in. Amen. And uh, so why should I have to hold my diet that we had back in Israel? Well, Daniel decided he was going to do that. He was going to hold to the, the small, minutest issues of the Word of God. And God responded to that. And that's what caused Daniel, I believe, to be elevated and brought to the place where God could use him to bring all these visions about these future empires and, and world history. I mean, so many things took place, and Daniel was at the heart of that. And so uh, Daniel was scriptural. We saw that. I'm going to move here quickly. Daniel saw it to be separate from the world. It wasn't the matter of the meat. Uh, it was the matter of that God said the meat was unclean. We know that now in 1 Timothy, that all meat is made clean by God. If you want to eat a snake, you can do that. If you want to eat dog, you can do that. I knew a missionary that was in Thailand. And, of course, we don't usually have a taste for dog here in North America. But he knew that when he was invited to a certain village and they would offer dog, which was one of their delicacies, that there would be a big problem if he wouldn't take it. And so he decided that, you know what, I'm going to eat the dog. (laughs) And he did. And many times you have to do that. See, according to Old Testament law, that dog would have been unclean. But in New Testament doctrine, God says, I've made it clean. And so it's not about us picking rituals. or And this is what we do many times. We try to be religious by you know, getting these things all lined up. This is what I do. You just have to do what God tells you to do. <laughs> and that's why the Jews have to change their mind about the Gentiles as well. You know, what I call clean, you know, call thou not common, you know. And so we saw how that immediately what they began to do is change the names of these four Hebrew boys. Uh, Daniel, uh, who was, um, who meant God is judge or God is my judge, they changed his name to Belshazzar, which means Baal protect or protected by Baal. Now, Baal is a false god, he was one of those Babylonian gods. And so what they're trying to do is change the heart and mind of these people to follow the gods of the world. And of course, Hananiah was Shadrach means I am fearful. And so uh, they wanted them to be fearful, (laughs) you know, like the world is, the world is full of fear. And the Bible says in the last days, their hearts will fail them for fear. And we saw that in the last couple of years, how many people are running around there so scared about everything, you know? And it uh, definitely came true. But then Mishael uh, was changed to Meshach. means I am li- of little account. I'm little account. means I'm worthless. How many times do we as, uh, you know, start taking on that stuff about, oh, I'm, I'm not worth anything. God can't use me. And so that's a worldly mentality. <laughs> if you're born again and you've been bought by the blood of Christ, you're worth a lot. You're worth the very price of the life of the Son of God. That's your worth. Uh, there's many times I've seen artwork, and I looked at that artwork, like a square and a circle and this, and it's got a name on the bottom, that's a famous name, and it's worth a million dollars. I'm saying I wouldn't give you 10 cents. In fact, I wouldn't even uh, let you pay me to take that and put it on my wall at home. But yet that's what it's worth, and it's worth that because of the name. And folks, you got to understand something. Maybe you and your intrinsic morality uh, don't have much to offer, you know. But that's not where your worth is coming from. Your worth is coming from the name that's been attached to you through your purchase. You've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And that's where you get your worth. And if that's not enough for you, well, then nothing ever will be. Amen. you got to find your worth in that particular transaction of your salvation. But without that transaction, there is no worth. We are fallen, we are uh, no good. The Bible says there's none that doeth good, no, not one. Amen. But in Christ, we are now, in God's eyes, we hold the record of his son where we are those that have never sinned. That's how he perceives us. It's a fantastic thing that God has done for us. And then Azariah changed to Abednego, which means a servant of Nego and uh, that was another god so the world wants you to serve the world's gods (laughs) and sad to say many christians do serve the world's gods i mean they come and sing about jesus and they talk about jesus and we say amen when preacher tells us about jesus but during the week most of our time and energy and our heart is taken up by the things of the world and uh, the things that you set your heart on that's your god the things that takes your time, that's your God. That's your idol. And it could be an idol of the heart. Uh, You've got to be careful of those things. And so what that's doing is just telling us, showing us that uh, the world, uh, well, you can see it with Babylon, and it's, it's no mistake that Babylon is also mentioned throughout the scripture and is there right at the end of prophecy in Revelation chapter 18 and so forth when it'll finally be destroyed. This aspect of Babylon, its worship, its principles, its commerce, the things that it represents, has always existed and always will exist until it gets destroyed at the end of at the when before Jesus Christ comes again. And so that's why Babylon is mentioned over and over and over again. So we can learn something as we go through Daniel dealing with Babylon. We're learning about our future. And we're learning about the principles of this world and what they're trying to do to make you into one of them, you know. And we'll see more of that as we look at the three Hebrew boys and the furnace and so forth. Uh, Anyways, let's move on. Um, Let's see, where do I want to go? Daniel purpose by faith. We see him mentioned in in the faith chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11 Uh, that he didn't mention his name but they mentioned what he did this is what it says here in verse 32 what shall i more say for the time would fail me to tell of gideon of Barak, of samson of jephthah of david also and samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdom wrought righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions amen now that goes back to Daniel right there so Daniel is in the hall of faith in the chapter of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and he be he was a man that lived a life of faith and so the step that he's taking here in chapter one is just really setting him up for many more decisions that he's going to be making throughout his life based on faith And faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So his faith is more real to him than many people's reality. Amen? And in fact, you you as a Christian, as you go to your job site tomorrow, uh, or whatever you do, your faith should be more real than your co-worker's reality. Because in fact, the matter is their reality isn't very real, (laughs) (laughs) amen, they don't see the truth in it, we do, because our eyes have been opened, we're the children of the light, we're children of the day, Uh, we're not those that would be taken by surprise, we understand these things, there's a spiritual world, there's a spiritual battle that most people around you have no clue what's going on, yet by faith you do, that's why I say your faith is more real than their reality, and there's, that's no joke. That's truth. And so that's why we have to be careful as we're living in this world that they see a people that operates by faith. Now, faith isn't just operating by, I believe, I believe. It's operating by, I believe what? <laughs> that's the key, the object. What's the object of your faith? Uh, atheists believe. They believe they come from monkeys, they believe something... Folks, that really is faith, because there is no proof of that. So they're making a faith decision, but it's a decision made because of their reaction to a, revolution, a revolutionary God. A God that is revealing himself as an authority to man, but people don't like that. I'm not going to listen to someone I do not see. And so in response to that, they try to manufacture their own authority. Amen? And that's what it is. And they, many times they'll relegate it science, but the Bible talks about science, falsely so called. There is a false science out there. It's all over the place. Amen. We don't live uh, with fossils of one hundred ninety million years old. <laughs> you guys ever see that on Instagram or Facebook? And oh, look at this fossil—one hundred ninety million years. Folks, you can pretty well guarantee it's about four thousand years old. Huh? Well, the only reason they say 190 million is because they totally discredit the flood. And the Bible talks about that, how that they will deny that the flood came. And that's why the fossils are there. (laughs) Caked in mud. (laughs) and It all happened basically at the same time. Amen? And so uh, the world manufactures ideas to solidify or back up what they want to believe, or what they don't want to believe. Amen? And so you got to be very careful with that. Faith is believing what God says. A Christian's faith is putting your faith in the words of God. The faith chapter, if you look at each one of these characters mentioned here, each one of them did something, but they did something based upon what God had told them. Those are the two elements that are always in place when it talked about someone that did something by faith. There was action involved. And it was based on the word of God. <laughs> Even Abel. When he sacrificed a more excellent sacrifice. Why did he offer a lamb instead of the fruit of the earth? Well because God told him to do that. Amen. It, did, it wasn't uh, revel, revel, revelationary from within ourselves. It's an, it's an external source that comes to us. And folks, that's important because if you're going to have faith in yourself, you got to remember, faith in itself has no power. You can say, I believe all I want, doesn't make it powerful. What makes faith powerful is what it is connected to. My faith has no power on its own. And so the Christianity today that's telling us, name it and claim it, uh, I can just speak something into existence and it'll happen. The world is full of this philosophy and these uh, mentalities where they say I just visualize it when I visualize it it takes place it just happens (laughs) you know so they they put their power in something but they don't know what to label it so they usually label it in themselves and that's why it's called humanism humanism today is really going back to Genesis chapter 3 where man just calls himself God we are our own God God never meant for you to be God. You can't be. You've got too many problems to be God. Amen? God's got to be problemless. Got to be perfect in every way. And you are not. And so if you were God, uh, this world would be a mess. It really would. Well, we wouldn't have lasted this long. (laughs) Let me tell you that. Because the first time you would have got mad, you would have just killed everybody. <laughs> you know, That's what happens, because we, we have no love and compassion. We don't understand what that is. God is long-suffering and merciful and has compassion and knows exactly what to do at the right time. Amen? Anyway, so faith is like that. Faith is not comfortable. It's not the comfortable way. Daniel very easily could have said, Hey, I'll eat the meat. I'll, I'll drink the wine of the king. What's the big deal? You know, can't expect to fight every battle here. Don't want to die on that hill type of thing. Uh, but, But he was willing to die on that hill. Faith is never comfortable. It's going to put you in an uncomfortable situation in life. And so you have to make your decision. Am I going to risk the comfort of my life for faith? Or am I going to simply go along with the world because I don't want to ruffle feathers? I don't want to rock the boat, you know? Faith... It was necessary for what Daniel would face in the future as well. Um, He was going to face some lions here. (laughs) He was going to have to face making a decision to pray when it was against the law to pray. And the punishment for that would be to be thrown into a lion's den. And lions that were hungry, by the way, (laughs) that could have easily eaten him uh, because they were hungry but their mouths were stopped supernaturally. Why? Because Daniel operated on faith and his God protected him. Amen. We knew they were hungry because after the fact, the king threw in those that tried to trip him up and then the lions all of a sudden were very hungry. (laughs) Amen. And the Bible says that they they had mastery over them. That means that the bones of these people were no... uh, Uh, opposition to these lions they were easily able to devour these men they didn't daniel because he operated by faith so daniel also purposed by himself um this is now we know that three hebrew boys were with him they all decided the same thing but one thing to know about daniel if those three boys wouldn't have he would have done the right thing anyways he would have done it for himself and that's what you need to understand. We've got to stop this mentality that I'll do right when I see other people making the same decision. Then I'll follow with them. Now, why not you be the one to say I'm going to do the right thing, and if nobody else does the right thing, I'm going to do the right thing anyways. That's a Daniel. <laughs> you know, we we purpose for ourselves. We don't wait for other people. You know, it's the same principle on the job. You know, you have people that work a job, and they're the kind of people that grab the bull by the horns and see something that needs to get done, and they, they get it done. They never sit around, you know. But then you got some others, what they do is they stand back, and they wait for somebody else to do it first. So when the boss says, hey, can somebody cut, cut those boards? Can somebody dig that ditch? <laughs> you know, grab that shovel. Uh, the ones with a bad character are always going to wait for someone else to do it first. The one with a good character is going to just try to be the first one to do it. You know? That's what we need to be as far as Daniel is concerned. We need to say, forget what other people are doing. I'm going to do right. I'm going to do it by faith. And if nobody else does it, I'm going to do it anyways. Amen? That's a very important uh, thing for us to decide. Now, number three, Daniel's uncommon wisdom Now here in verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. So the word favor means means grace or acceptance. So God... Had brought Daniel into the acceptance or grace of the prince. Now, Daniel didn't do that. The Bible says that God did that. Amen. Not only that, tender love. This means compassion, mercy, or affection. You know, we can go through life and everybody hates us and everybody thinks, you know, there's something wrong with us. Most of the time, that's because of our bad attitude. I believe very much that God can give favor in the eyes of others if you do right by God. You know, if you're walking around, you know, sucking your thumb, I got no friends, nobody loves me, it's probably your fault. It's probably your fault. And you better get to that place where you'll admit it or you're going to go through your whole life sucking your thumb, (laughs) you know, and that's not going to do much for you at all. You know, it's not going to really be a blessing to you. Uh, Daniel had every uh, reason to suck his thumb here. And yet he didn't. He did right by his God and God answered by giving favor. By granting favor. People began to like him. Now, not everybody liked him. This is the interesting thing. Um, Not everybody needed to like him. In fact, we know that there were several governors that hated his guts (laughs) enough that they were willing to change the laws to trip him up so that they would get him killed so he had a lot of people that hated him but this is the thing with god's favor god didn't promise that everybody would favor you but god did promise this that he would give favor in the eyes of those people that you need to give you favor do you understand that When you need the person there, God will give you that person there. Of all the people that Daniel could have been with, God touched the heart of that person and said, I'm going to make him love Daniel. (laughs) But he had a bunch of people that hated him. So you can focus on everybody that hates you. Or you can just start realizing that, hey, (laughs) they're going to do what they do. What we need to do is praise God for those that love us. Because chances are, that's based on what God is doing in our life. And that's what we need to praise Him for. Amen? You'll always have people that hate you. I will always have enemies in this church. Now, maybe not in the church, well, sometimes in the church, (laughs) but around the church. Amen? That used to come, that turned against, it'll always happen. Folks, if you're looking... If you're going to hear somebody out and say, oh man, this person doesn't like pastor. I don't know what's wrong with pastor. Get used to the fact. It's going to happen every year of this ministry. You will always be able to find someone that hates this church and hates me. Now I could spend my, all my days thinking about that. <laughs> and it does bother me. It really does. I try my best to work through and to call people and to do what I can. But you know, sometimes when Satan gets in a person's heart, there's nothing you can do. And they're always not willing to do it the scriptural way. And by the way, let me give you a little advice here. If someone is coming and poisoning your mind about things, you've got to ask yourself, are they doing this a scriptural way? And if they're not, why in the world are you opening your ears to that? Because you've now just become a part of the process of the unscriptural way. All you need to do is say, why don't you do what the Bible says? And if it's done the Bible way, it's done the right way. Amen. And if pastor or somebody in the church is so bad, then we'll find out. Amen. But that's not what they want. Because when Satan gets in the heart, basically what they want to do is just simply destroy you. They don't want to help you, they don't care about you, they don't want to lift you up or help you through maybe some of the problems you have. They're not praying for you, they're not. People that are wanting to destroy you are not praying for you. They don't care about you. And people that will come to poison you, to turn you against the house of God, I'll tell you this much, they are not praying for you. Because they don't care about you. They would rather see you as a casualty. So that they can walk away and feel justified or in their bitterness. You'll just become a sacrifice on their sin. Amen? Amen? we got to be very careful with stuff like that. So that will always happen. <laughs> it's going to be... Uh, I wish it wouldn't be, but until Jesus Christ comes, that's going to be a regular part of the, the dynamics of Airdrie Baptist Church. You'll always hear something. You'll always have people just saying this, that, or the other. If that's going to sway you, you might as well go home now because you're going to hear it sooner or later. Amen? A lot of people do get twisted by that kind of stuff. So... With all the negative things that are happening, it's amazing that this Babylonian, with so much at stake, would accept and give grace to Daniel. I mean, we're talking, we're not talking even to Trudeau. Like Trudeau, you may say, well, I don't like the way he does things. Sure. (laughs) But Nebuchadnezzar, you walk in this man's presence, he could have your head cut off right there. And there'd be nobody picketing And protesting. you understand that? It's at a time like this that God is is touching the heart of somebody within this structure to give acceptance to one of the prisoners. That's God. That's God that did that. Um, Daniel, letter A, was wise in his plea. He was wise in his plea. Notice what it says here. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Requested to seek or to try to obtain is what he was trying to do. So he was trying to figure out a way to do it. So he went through the right channels to get it done. He was a man of faith. He purposed in his heart. He had convictions. But you know even with all the convictions and all the persuasion that Daniel had. He still was respectful. He was still wise in the way that he, he, he approached the situation. He'd just say, hey, I'm a child of God. <laughs> you need to listen to me. <laughs> Sometimes we do that. We get all brass and, you know. Man, I've heard of some soul winners. They stick their foot in the doors and think, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> when I go to somebody's house, tell them about Christ, that house is their castle, man. It's not mine. Now, I've got the right and the command to go and tell them. But I've got no right to put my foot in their door and tell them something they don't want to hear. Somebody comes to my door. I get a little bit. What do you want? You know what I mean? This is my house. I don't want to be bothered. Do you? Amen. Many times I don't. So you got to remember that when you're going to somebody else's house, they don't want to be bothered by people. So you better make sure you've got the Holy Spirit fullness on your life. That it's more than just your good looks that's going to captivate them. Amen? That perhaps it'll be God. And you know what? It'll only be a, a small percentage out of the many you'll see that God will actually touch and where you'll get an opportunity to give them the gospel. But there's a lot of people you could offend in the meantime. My whole mentality is I want to keep those doors open as long as possible. They don't have time. They're cooking supper. I've seen some guys, they're cooking supper, and they kept on, man, they got supper on the stove, man. Come back another time. Respect them. Respect their family. Respect their time. Amen. Daniel was respectful. He wasn't just forcing his way into this thing because he was a big called uh, prophet of God, amen, because he thought he had the right <laughs> he requested um, letter B Daniel was wise in protecting others. Notice what what it says here in Daniel chapter uh, one, verse ten, and the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my Lord the king, who have appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. So he wasn't just uh, analogizing here. (laughs) He wasn't just using metaphors. He was saying, my head is, I'm talking about my head. I'm talking about my head will be taken off of my body type of thing. Now Daniel understood that. That's why Daniel came at this with wisdom. He didn't just say, well, you're going to do it anyways. In fact, that's, what he, that's why he came up with the plan that he came up with, because he was concerned about the safety of this prince. He was one of his captors. And yet he was still concerned in protecting others. See, folks, I understand you've got convictions. And you believe God. And this is what I believe. <laughs> But if your faith is hurting people, I don't give you a lot of stock. If your faith is hurting people, I don't think it's that powerful. <laughs> I think there's something wrong with the, the methodology of your faith being brought forth here to people. I think real faith when it comes forward, it doesn't hurt people. It blesses people. But some people, I think, you know, well, this was truth, this is what the Bible is, and there's people walking away hurt because of that. I'm sorry, that's not right. If Daniel had the wisdom to be concerned about a prince of the eunuch, a lost Babylonian, heathen as it could be, and didn't want him to be hurt, I think that you ought to be careful in your implementation of your convictions wherever you are on the job. You know, you you think because you've got scripture that you can just blast it around and tell everybody what to do and say what you want. And no, you still have to be kind, you know, and that's what I was saying even about the soul winning. Some people got this idea that because we do have the command of God Almighty to go and tell all creatures, that somehow that means you can offend them and do whatever you want in in the process. No. No. That's not what it means. And I think that's what we need to learn from Daniel here in his wisdom. The whole reason why he came up with the plan of 10 days to test whether they would be better off than eating the king's meat was because he was concerned about the prince of the eunuch and his safety. Right? That's what it was about. It was for the prince's sake. Right? So sometimes we have to work within the dynamics we're in (coughs) to... Come up with a plan, even though we know it's the right thing, but we're operating not only in your faith, you're operating in other people's faith. Do you understand that I, I, there's some things, <laughs> somebody will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, what would you do? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll, tell, you know, I'll tell you what I could do, but that doesn't mean you'll do it. And many times I don't tell them what I would do because I know they don't have the faith to do it. And many times what they'll do is when they do something based upon my faith or something that I would do, halfway through they're going to back out of it because they never had the faith to carry through in the first place. So you can't just say, what would you do? And then I'm going to do this because pastor said. No, you have to become strong in your own faith. You can't ride the coattails of another person's faith. You understand that. You have to have your own. I mean, your children for a short time are going to come to church because you're, you're bringing them. But at some point, you hope that they'll develop their own faith. And you'll know that the first time mom and dad can't come to church. And they want to ride. You know, what, you know what that means? That means that this child or child that's growing up or teen is now no longer riding on the faith of mom and dad, but actually developing their own faith and making their own decision in relation to that. Now, I'm not one of these people that believe that a parent should just let your children just choose whatever they want. (laughs) As long as they're in your home, they will operate according to your convictions. And if you're not operating like that, your home is out of of whack. It's not harmonized. (laughs) Amen. you have to have one set of faith, one faith running the home. You can't have ten different faiths. One. Amen. And if the child has a stronger faith, that's great. You know, that usually works. But you can't have just a running amuck here. Everybody doing whatever they want to do. So Daniel had no desire to have this prince placed in danger. So Daniel was also wise in his plan, let her see. A part of gaining favor with men is trusting God enough to respect those that have the power to make change on our behalf. Uh, Because I know what the Bible says. Proverbs 21, verse 1, it says this. "The The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water... He turneth it whithersoever he will. Now that is a verse about my God. And my God, the Bible says, has the heart of the king within his hand. And in the way that the river turns, God can turn that heart how he wants it to go. Now, how I respond to that. Now, Daniel, because he believed that, he could request. He could request and trust. Amen? But people that will not trust God, they're not going to behave that way. They're not going to have wisdom in the way they deal with people in the world. They're going to be rebellious. They're going to cause problems. If God has the power to change someone's heart, to allow them to do what you know God wants you to do, why are you worried? If God can't get you where God wants you to go well then he's not worth serving anyways (laughs) but if he is worth serving which he is then why don't we just trust him when he says things like this well the authority isn't letting me do it if the authority isn't letting you do it make sure you're right with God first make sure your heart is right amen because maybe God knows even if I let him do what you want to do you're not ready to do it because there's something wrong with you. You would hurt the cause of Christ. Amen? So there's all kinds of dynamics that you have to consider that God's working out. But all I know is if I, want, if I know that God wants me to do something, I, it's like this. Young people, you know that uh, there's somebody you want to marry one day, they come into your life, mom and dad say no. Well, who's mom and dad to say no? Mom and dad is everybody to say no. If mom and dad don't approve of your relationship, you ought to stop it right there. Because they are your authority. Well, I don't really care. Well, then go do what you want. And later on, they'll just say, see? (laughs) See, rebellion isn't going to get you blessing. But if you believe God so much, why in the world are you concerned of whether you're going to find the one that God has for you or not? If you think God is real, if he's going to give you what you need and your heart is right, why are you concerned? All I know is if you're manipulating the situation or you're working behind the scenes or you're hiding from your parents, all I know is you're not trusting God. You understand that? See, we learned that from Daniel. Daniel didn't have to manipulate. He was a very transparent person. He just says, you know, this is what God wants me to do. I'm just following the scripture. So I'm going to put my request forward. I'm going to come up with a plan. All above board. Nothing shady. Amen? That's the way we ought to live. And if we're not, young people, and you've got to do stuff behind your parents' back. You may blame your parents for whatever. Well, they don't let me do this. <laughs> and maybe they don't. But you know what? They're not the problem. You are. And you'll never be blessed. And it's sad, but you never will. Oh, you might even get what you want. Well, that person that you want, they may even marry you. But <laughs> well, one day, you know what you're going to say? I wish I would have never married this person. We had a lady in Kenora. She was, when we met, knew her, she was in her 80s. She was uh, by herself. She lived with her sister, and she when she was younger, she met a young man, and that young man knew how to sweep her off her feet, knew how to woo her, and she began to love him. Now her mom and dad were good, godly people. And when she asked them, you know, what about she they said, no, no, we can't support this. In fact, she went to the preacher. And the preacher said, no, your mom and dad aren't for this. And, and this young man, I don't think he's above board, so I'm not for this either. Can you, is, can you imagine that? That would rarely go on today. Most preachers just marry anybody. I wouldn't. I would probably become your worst enemy. <laughs> you know, Why wouldn't you do this? Because I'm not a marrying preacher. I believe marriage is sacred. I believe it's, it's, it's God's institution and it's not meant to be played with. And if there's something not right, I'm not going to have a part of it. Because he's more important than anything. Amen? And yet, she loved him. And so, they went to a justice of the peace. They got married. That marriage, I think they, it lasted long enough where they had one child. The child had scarlet fever at five years old. And basically, it kind of froze her mentality at five years. She never grew past a five-year-old mentality. She died, her daughter died when she was 50. But her mentality was five when she died. And the husband became a drunkard, abused her, beat her, was ashamed of their daughter, didn't love her. Left her. This is just a few short years after they got married, she spent the rest of her life alone. And she told me straight, she says, "I should just listened to my mom and dad. You think you know something because you love somebody. you know nothing. <laughs> Your emotion is blinding you. And Satan's going to get an advantage, you know? That's the kind of wisdom we have to have. When we work a plan, let's work a plan where people don't get hurt. Amen. But you know, when we love somebody, we'll hurt everybody around us. God's not in that. He's not in it. Never will be, you know. Uh, Number four, Daniel's supernatural proving. is what he said in verse 12. Prove thy servants. I beseech thee, ten days, let let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, as thou seest deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. At the end of ten days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine which they should drink, and gave them pulse." Pulse sounds good. <laughs> no, pulse is <says> vegetable. <laughs> Some kind of a vegetable. Letter A. Daniel was willing to put his faith to the test. That's the thing about faith. When you make a decision by faith, it's like I don't know how this is going to turn out. Other than knowing I'm making the right decision because God told me to. So you have to test your faith. And untested faith is really no faith at all. So you'll have to have a part of testing your own faith. That's what Daniel did. He put his own faith to the test. With some pretty dire consequences if it didn't work out. So to test, to try, to prove. Letter B, Daniel chose to be disciplined and temperate. Now the meat, the king's meat. uh, I like meat, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I don't mind eating some meat. But folks, I don't think it had to do with the meat necessarily like i said we looked at that the last week you know what was called clean or unclean i don't think it was because he ate vegetables that he was healthier this isn't an argument for vegetarians you understand that but it is interesting that in the choice that daniel made he didn't ask for more he didn't ask for something else well why not ask for the richest of the jews food why ask for pulse? Why not ask for the drink that maybe is acceptable, but maybe is, uh, what's the, the juice they have there? Um, it's right there on the tip of my tongue. Uh, we had it there in Israel. It was so good. Uh, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. But they, they, on the street, the, only Israel knows how to do this. They know how to refrigerate it right. What is that? Pomegranate. Have you ever had real good pomegranate? Wow. We were on the streets of Israel, and this guy was, he was making it right there. He he would squeeze it. They would have to keep it at a certain temperature, and only they had the freezers that were designed for these particular pomegranates. And you would buy that juice, man. I wanted to just go back and get more and more, you know. It was so good. Why didn't Daniel ask for pomegranate juice? I probably would have, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, Daniel chose to be disciplined. He chose to be temperate in his test of the faith. He wasn't trying to be extravagant or looking for a different food that may be better or so forth. He knew that God's people had to be in control of themselves. The Bible tells us in first Corinthians nine, verse 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they that do it obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So Daniel knew that within his walk of faith, that it was important that he lived a disciplined life. A temperate life. See folks, you can have all the convictions in the world. But if you're coming off loose and not tempered, uh, you know, tempered is this. When I'm tempered properly, it's like the, the, the metal on a bridge. That, that metal, the bridge metal is tempered a certain way. If it was tempered to be hard, if it would have a lot of weight go over it, it would crack and break. But if it was tempered to give a little bit, Amen. Then when the weight goes on, it would it would bend, and then as the weight came off, it would actually go back into place again. See, you know what we need to learn? We need we need to learn to be temperate. See, those of you that react, the moment someone does something, you lose your cool, you are not temperate. And because of that, you are not going to be a disciplined child of God. You've got to learn to take a hit. You've got to learn to have people throw stuff at you where you don't react right away. If you're reacting, you're walking in the flesh. And so Daniel, his whole temperament was always about becoming disciplined and in control of himself. So he didn't ask for pomegranate juice. He says, I'll be okay with water. He didn't ask for a specific meat, maybe lamb, or something that they could eat as Jews. He says, give me pulse. Do you understand? We as God's people got to learn to be disciplined and temperate. Jesus Christ, when he hung on the cross, and they were buffeting him, and they were mocking him, he did not react. He committed himself unto him that judgeth righteously. That is a sign of a spiritual believer. Don't react. Don't lose your cool. If you've got an anger problem, it's because you're not walking with God. You know that, right? That is the case. <laughs> you're not trusting him. You're not seeing what's in front of you for what it really is. The test that it is. So you've got to change that. And you change that by understanding what's going on. What is the reality? What is the reality of my situation? Well, it's faith. <laughs> You're still walking like this is your reality when it's not. Your faith is a reality. Amen? Let her see God does great things when we commit the little things to Him. Let's see what we got left here. I think we already talked about that. Um, number five, Daniel's unequaled gifts... Notice that in verse 17, so we know that after this test, they came forward, they came through with flying colors. They were all uh, healthier than all the other guys. They passed the test, and this is how God responded. It says in verse 17, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So God gifted them because they took a, made a decision and purpose in their heart to operate on known Bible principle. Principle that I know is true. Let's just live by it. No matter what, let's test our faith. Let's go through because we know that we're going to be better on the other end than if we didn't. God says, you be like that. He says, I will give you gifts. I will enable you to do some things. Now, why? Why? Letter A, God gifted Daniel and his friends for trusting him. I'm going to move forward quickly here. And letter B, God elevated Daniel and his friends to glorify himself through the gifts. Now why did he give the gifts? Well, you see in verse 18. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them. And among them all was found. None like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. Therefore. What does that word therefore mean? It means because. Because of. So the reason why they were always communing before the king was because there was none that were found like them. Now, why were there none found like them? Because there were none that were gifted like them by God. Now, why were they gifted by God? Because each one of them made a decision to operate upon the faith that they knew they had in that moment. So God brought them to that place. (laughs) See, that's why Daniel chapter 1 is very important in the dynamics or the whole context of the whole book. It's God bringing these Hebrew kids into a place of power so that he could uh, gain glory. It says, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. You know what the Bible says? Ten times better. You know who wasn't saying this? Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they weren't saying this. They weren't walking around saying, We're ten times better. But you know what? The king said that. Now, everybody will proclaim his own goodness, right in the scripture. It's easy to say, Oh, I'm great. It's not when you say you're great. It's when other people see God's grace upon your life. Then you know that God is blessed. Sometimes I feels sorry for people because those that have to brag about themselves, most of the time it's because they think so little of themselves. We call it a superiority complex. <laughs> people with a superiority complex really are like that, because they feel inferior. So they want everybody to pump them up. <laughs> that's a way that they get people to give them compliments and to say, yes, you are great, and, you, and that, that's somehow the lie in their heart. They think it's going to somehow satiate that, but it doesn't. In fact, the more people compliment them, the more they want. I always say that lie is like a pit. It just it keeps sucking everything out. It sucks everything out of all the people around you. You know, when you can be the kind of person that just does the will of God and then the people around you say, wow, they're 10 times better. Then you know you're healthy. But you just got to shut your own mouth. The Bible says, let another man's lips praise thee. Not your own. Amen. Amen. So all of that, what we've gone through with Daniel, the captivity, made a eunuch, uh, a test with the meat he was going to eat, the wine he was going to drink, the test that he put upon himself to prove his conviction, it all led to a place where God says, these guys are going to be unequaled in their gifts. So why? So I can use them to glorify myself in Babylon. That's what it was about. Amen. Let's bow our heads. I know there's a lot of different topics that I touched tonight. Where are you in your Christian walk? Are you doing right? Are you doing right? All of us know some of the faith. And if there's some part of your life you know that God is telling you what to do, but you're not doing it. Do you understand that if you do not settle that, you're basically putting the brakes on in your Christian life? That God cannot put you in that place that he wants you to be? He's not just going to bypass it. He wants you to deal with it. And it's not about you. It's about him. He wants to glorify himself through you, but he can't because you will not.